This is the MMA Takes Podcast with your host, Brian Petrie. UFC 226, episode 26 of the MMA Takes Podcast. I don't think it's a coincidence. I think it's destiny. I'm ready to pick the card of my life. All winners. I've been going over all night. I let me let me just tell you something. I, I usually read it off the computer. I print hard copies. Okay, you hear that? That's that's hard copies. If you are 12 years old and you do not know what a hard copy is, it means when you go to a printer and you use paper instead of reading off your phone or reading off a computer. That's how serious I am taking this. I've made notes. I'm ready to go. Full disclosure, I was going to have a guest on. Uh, I have mentioned him several times on the podcast. He is sort of my equal when it comes to MMA. He just fills his brain with other sports. I only fill it with uh, MMA and the uh, NFL, Cincinnati Bengals, who day for life. And um, he, uh, we, we going to have a gentleman's bet. We were going to have a, whoever had the most right. He was going to come on the podcast. We were going to pick against each other, whoever the whoever had the most right was going to do whatever the 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 loser was going to have to do whatever the other says. I did not know what he had planned. I had something deviously planned. If he's listening to this, I do not want to say what I was uh what I was going to have him do. Nothing crazy, but uh needless to say he is not here. He broke his back. He's only 31, but his body is 87. Not re- hopefully he didn't really break his back, but he has some back problems. So, I'm flying solo as usual and I am here to Break down this entire card. I'm going to end with a top five. Um, no hot take this week. I gave you one earlier, so you have to you have to chew on that for a little bit longer. But I mean, this entire card is so stacked. Besides maybe the first fight, first fight. Uh, I mean, it's it's the curtain jerker. What do you expect? But I'm super excited about this card. I needed a whole podcast to talk about it with you. Unfortunately, I wish my uh, my my compadre was here so i can i can bet his face off and 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 destroy him but uh you know he's old so what are you gonna do so first up let's dive right in first on the card the first fight of the evening is going to be jamie moyle moyle i don't know why i said a mole jamie moyle she is 29 she's fighting riverside california against emily whitmire jamie moyle is the minus 230 favorite whitmire is a plus 180 both their records aren't outstanding. Um, neither of these girls really like jump off the page. I know Jamie Moyle a little bit. I can understand why she's a favorite. She's a two to one favorite. Um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna stick with the favorite and go Jamie Moyle. I do not know much about Emily Whitmire. Um, her record is, you know, I think she's four and three maybe, um, which isn't which isn't fantastic. I don't think that's really a, a UFC caliber record. But you know they need uh, they need they need women they need women in this division. So I'm gonna go Jamie Moyle. Not a sexy pick. We didn't start off too hot there, but uh, Moyle's gonna be my pick at 230. The value of this bet, I mean, both are a little, you know, they're a two to one favorite in a women's fight is really hard for me to get behind because women, I mean, anything can happen in a women's fight. So I'm uh, I would be a little nervous about betting the two to one favorite on this, so I'd avoid it. But my pick. Officially, it's going to be Jamie Moyle. These hard copies are great. Next up, we got Lando Venata versus Dracar Close. This is going to be a sensational fight. Lando Venata, ever since this guy's been in the UFC, he's been pushed on me. 
Um, uh, Brandon Gibson, who I don't think – I think he's a little overrated as a coach, if I'm going to be completely honest with you. I know a lot of fighters go to him. I know a lot of fighters like him. But, I, you know, a lot of his fighters have been losing a lot lately. I think he, I think he needs to get put in that conversation of is his stuff working. Obviously, he's nowhere near an Edmund Tarverian. But I think, you know – I think it could get brought up that it is is his method work and Lando is his prodigy student. Lando has only trained with Gibson and Lando's a fantastic striker. He gets hit a lot. Um, he's not super active. He does a lot of spinning stuff. He looked really good against his loss to Tony Ferguson. That was his UFC debut. Up a weight class at 155. He is now at uh, well, I guess he is still fighting at 155. I thought he dropped down to 45. Maybe he did. I don't know. But uh, he's fighting out of Albuquerque. He's fighting out of Jackson's. So he's versing, he's facing Jakar Klaus, Klaus, probably Klaus, huh? Where are you from? Yeah, he's from, well, Michigan? Well, maybe it is close. Klaus, probably. This kid's solid, too. They're both fantastic strikers. Um, I think it comes down to the fact that who, who gets hit more, right? Venata might have a little more flash, a little more pizzazz, and, he, and, he, and he's really good at pot shotting and, and moving. He's really well at moving in the first First round, second round, but every fight I've seen him fight, he, he has slowed down. He has lost a few split decisions. He gets busted up quite a bit as well. He uh, His nose, his eyes, everything are, are very uh, – he's going to be bloody. He's going to be wearing it at the end of this fight. Jakar Close sounds like a cologne. Jakar Noir. He is a heavy-handed guy. Um, doesn't have the most experience in the UFC or MMA. I believe he's 7-1. and one. Um, I like I like close in this fight. He's the under. Uh, Venata is the minus one seventy five favorite. Close is the plus one four five under. I think this is going to be close. I think if if, uh, if Drakkar doesn't finish it, I think it's going to go to a decision. It's going to be a very maybe controversial decision. People are going to have their opinions either way. Both are strikers. Um, I just see Venata slowing down, wearing a little bit. I think he, I think he has to work extra hard to win a decision because. Of uh, how many, how much damage he takes, and and how he uh, he gets messed up a little bit on his face, so I think he, uh, I think he needs to do more, and I don't know if that's really in his skill set because he's kind of, he, you know, he kind of fights the way he fights. You know, he's very measured. He moves really well in the first round. He's a hard to handle in the first round. I just don't think he has overwhelming power. I think Drakkar Close is going to win this fight as an underdog pick. So mark that down. I should probably be marking these down, huh? I mean, I got hard copies. I got pens, Sarpies at my disposal. I got I to gotta remember who I picked here, boys. I got to remember who I picked. This is just a well-oiled machine going on right now. I hope you hear the papers going on in the background. All these kids today don't like uh, overproduced stuff. You got to be real, man. Well, this is as real as it gets. You're hearing me shuffling my papers. Next up, we got Dan Hooker. Fighting out of Auckland, New Zealand against Gilbert Burns. Now, this fight to me is 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 one of the sleeper fights on the card because both these guys are real deal. Dan Herc- Hooker is seventeen and seven, and Gilbert Burns is thirteen and two. Gilbert Burns famous for being uh, not famous. Well, he's famous for in the jiu-jitsu world, but he was uh, uh, Vitor Belfort's longtime cornerman for a while, and then before he even got in the UFC. Now he's in the UFC. His only loss in the UFC, excuse me, he's lost twice in the UFC. He's lost to Michael Prezeras, and he's lost to Rashad Magomedov. Um, both guys obviously decisioned him, probably just laid on him. 
Bigger guys. Uh, Proceris is now fighting at 170. Gilbert Burns isn't the biggest 155-er. He's fighting Dan Hooker, who is on a nice little hot win streak. He's, his only loss is to Jason Knight by decision. It's kind of an ugly loss if you think about it, considering how Jason Knight's career has turned out. You know, he's not really a world beater anymore. He had a lot of hype, the Hillbilly Diaz brother. But uh, he, he's kind of dropped the last few. He's tough as nails. Let me be wrong. But uh, Hick, uh, Hooker, excuse me, has looked great in uh, the Pearson, the... Mark Dakinese fight in the Jim Miller. All three finishes. He's coming off three finishes. He's fighting at the same camp as Israel, uh, Israel Adesanya. Adesanya is fighting Friday night. Good teammates. Hooker, a big 155er. He's tall for the division. He's about two, three inches taller than Gilbert Burns. Gilbert Burns has a lot of power in his hands. He just came off a crazy finish his last fight against Dan Moret. Dan Moret, though, um, I... Not a highly talented guy, but Burns caught him. Burns is, you know, known for his submissions, and he came out there and just overwhelmed Moret with some power, laying some big shots. Looked pretty good. His striking isn't the cleanest. Um, he's a little wild because I think he relies on his power a little too much. I don't think he has the most cleanest striking. I think Hooker can, if he uses his distance, he could do really well in this fight. Um, Gilbert Burns is explosive, and he he can close the distance really quickly. And um, and catch you. Hooker, I think, is going to be uh, – I think his cardio is incredible. I think his footwork's good. I think if he can avoid the takedowns, I think he'll win this fight on a decision, probably just using his reach and everything like that. I know he's got some power. He's got some knees up the middle that are pretty good. And a little little fast fact about uh, um, Dan Hooker is he's fought as high as heavyweight before, so he's a real long body for that um, 155-pound division. He is currently sitting at the favorite at minus 130. Gilbert Burns is even. So this is really a truly a pick em fight. But I just think both these guys are, are, are a little hot right now, I think. I think Burns, after that big um, victory last out. But I just I got to look at the competition. And Moret hasn't isn't nearly as tough as the guys that Dan Hooker is fighting. So I'm going to go with Dan Hooker by decision. I think it's going to be a very close fight. Uh, I just think his reach and his overall movement and striking is going to be too much for Burns. Even though, I mean, this could, this is a truly pick and fight. This is one of the harder harder fights to pick on this card. But um, I think Dan Hooker's just too hot right now. I think that gym in Auckland, New Zealand, I wish I knew the name of it. They got Adesanya. I'm sure they got a ton of young guys. They're really going out because a lot of people from New Zealand, a lot of fighters, they go to Australia to train. You know, because there's not a ton of camps or a ton of high quality training partners in New Zealand and they got to, you know, they got to go elsewhere. But uh, those guys seem to be making it work. Next up, we have Curtis Millinder versus Max Griffin. Both these guys um, coming off big wins. Curtis Millinder, I've heard a lot about. He's coming off a knockout win. Max Griffin's coming off of a win over Mike Perry. Um, Millinder, I believe he's 15 and three Max Griffin's record. is not written down here. Um, I know it's middle of the road. He's got a, he's got a few losses on, he's got a loss in the UFC. I, I think this is a pretty easy fight to pick. I've heard a lot of people jump on the Max Griffin train. I think Max Griffin is very basic. I think he does everything right. I think he's a good striker. I think he's a good wrestler. I think he's a good grappler. I just don't think he has any of the intangibles that that separate him from anybody, right? The Mike Perry fight, he played it a little safe. I thought uh, Mike Perry, when Mike Perry gassed out, um, I thought he could have taken advantage a little bit, but I think he was just happy to get the win and not happy to get really caught in that first round. Millinder's a big, long-rangey guy. I haven't seen much of him in the UFC as far as how he goes in the second and third round, but he's a handful in that third round. He's a powerful, powerful striker. 
Um, big guy for the division. I like Millinder in this by knockout. Um, he's a minus 170 favorite. I, I just I think Millinder is going to be on his way up. I think the 170-pound division, man, there's, there's a lot of guys sitting on the outside of the top 15 right now that are really good, and there's some guys inside the top 10 that are really good. So there's a lot to be desired for this 170-pound division. I can't wait. I can't wait. That's a good fight. That's a good fight. Next up, we have Rafael Asuncao versus Rob Font. Another fantastic fight. I, uh, I'm a Rob Font fan. Asuncao is 26-5. and five. Ron Font, Ron, Rob Font is 15-3. and three. At, Fighting out of Boston, Mass. Rafael Asuncao, um, one of the most overlooked guys in the division. He has a, he has a win over the current champion, TJ Dillashaw. Guy's been fighting a long time. I know he's been out for some injuries. I know he had a anything a foot thing um but he just every time he leaves and comes back he always just seems so much better he looked good against um uh, he beat uh marlon marais and marlon marais's debut this uh this guy's a true pro true um true vet of the sport rob font good striker um tough as nails moves really well decent takedown defense but not the best in the world um, he's coming off a win over Thomas Almeida. He knocked Thomas Almeida out. But before that, he lost to Pedro Munoz by submission. I think Rafael Sanso is a better version of Pedro Munoz. I think he's a better striker. I think he's a better grappler. I don't know if his submission skills are as slick as Munoz, but I think they're there, obviously. I just think Asuncao is going to take this. I think he's going to finish Rob Font. So I'm picking Asuncao, who is the minus 175 favorite. Rob Font is sitting at plus 145. There's some value on Rob Font because I do think we haven't seen the best of him in the octagon. I just think that uh, Asuncao is just on another level right now. I think he's too good um, to be fighting a guy like Rob Font. No, that, and that's not a slide at Rob Font. I think Rob Font needs to be fighting some of the guys outside the top 10, um, you know, kind of build on this momentum. You know, he, his biggest win was Almeida, but Almeida has shown he's been a little chinny. I mean, he's he's lost to Lineker, which is another top 10 guy. He lost to Munoz, who I think is another top 10 guy as well. Um, so Font, I think this is a little, I think he's reaching on this fight. He could show up and, and pull off this, uh, you know, cause he does have heavy hands. I just think a sun style is just too good right now. So I'm picking a sun style of favorite. I wish I had some unders for you. Maybe, maybe we'll get some, we'll get some later. Next up, we have Paul Felder versus Mike Perry. This fight got put together fairly short notice. Um, Mike, uh, Paul Felder was supposed to fight James Vick at 155 on the Lincoln, Nebraska card. And then, uh, yeah, sorry, I'm lost train of thought. So Paul Felder was supposed to fight James Fick at 155 Lincoln, Nebraska. Mike Perry was supposed to fight on uh, UFC 226 against Yancey Medeiros. Vic got pulled to the main event against Gaethje. Yancey Medeiros had to pull out, so Mike Perry was left without an opponent. Paul Felder steps in, going up and wait to fight uh, at 170. When this fight got announced, I was very excited. I think this could be an action-packed fight. This could be fight of the night. Um and Felder's never, I don't think, ever fought at 170 in the UFC. I'm pretty sure he has he has in his career because he is um, he's quite a big uh, 155er. Good to see Paul Felder get a fight. I'm a Paul Felder guy. He's not one of my guys yet. I haven't labeled that, but I think he's one of the best uh, fighters slash announcers the UFC has. He got pulled from the uh, Ally Quinta fight with the whole Khabib thing. So I really like Paul Felder. Mike Perry. Going through a breakup, going through a lot of shit in his life. I think he's kind of a one-dimensional fighter. He has great power. I think he's probably I think he's a smaller 170. I don't think he's a, a big 170. So I don't think I think he's a little slightly bigger than Felder, but I don't think by much. 
And uh, I just think Paul Felder is going to be cleaner with his strikes. I think he his power will carry up there. I think he's a very strong guy. I think he's has a better, well-rounded game. I think if Perry tries to take him to the ground, I think Felder, Felder will be ready for that. He had a whole camp waiting for Ally Quinta, who was a pretty decent wrestler. Felder's coming off of three wins and three finishes. His last loss was to Francisco Trinaldo, and that was by TKO, Dr. Stoppage. It was a pretty nasty cut. Um, Felder, I think, is hot. I think Felder deserves to be in the conversation at 155 for some of these guys. I think he's a big 55er. I think he hits one of the hardest, and I think he uh, he needs a top 10, top 5 guy next, top 5 guy next. He is, and Felder is the minus 150 favorite over plus 120. When this fight got announced, I don't know if it was Vegas or if it was an odd maker somewhere else or, or if it was just a typo, but Felder was like a five to one underdog when the fight got first announced, and now he's sitting at a favorite. I like him to win. Um, I think I don't know if he can finish Mike Perry because Mike Perry is tough. Mike Perry first camp at Jackson's. I don't know if he's been there the whole camp. I think he's only been there like maybe four or five weeks. Coming from Orlando, leaving his camp there. Um, I, I like Felder. I think he's gonna he's he's just gonna be the better guy overall. I think if there's any finish. It's going to be late in the fight where Perry gasses out. Um, but I like Felder a lot in this fight, and I and I hope he gets a top five guy next. I like this fight a lot, too. I think both guys are action-packed. Mike Perry, with as many flaws as he has, he's dropped his last two. Um, this will be three in a row if he loses to Felder. Of all the flaws he has, I think he's a really exciting guy. So hopefully that, that fight produces. Next up, we have Uriah Hall versus Paulo Costa, Costa, whatever you want to say. The Brazilian Superman is what I call him because um, the guy is absolutely shredded. I, you know, I do not know how he's not. I don't want to accuse anybody, you know, but allegedly, not even allegedly. I don't know how to phrase this without getting maybe sued by him. But the, the guy looks like he's taking every steroid in the world. I mean, am I right? I know Brazilians have these, you know, some of these Brazilians tend to run really nice, have nice, really bo- you know, bodies. But there's also a lot of Brazilians that have been busted with steroids. This guy, with his inactivity, with him not fighting a lot, maybe getting injured a lot, whatever, um, that's a red flag for me with, with when it comes to steroids. He's fighting Uriah Hall, who came off the Ultimate Fighters, is the best guy in the world. And then, uh, and just, I don't know if it's a mental thing or what, but he has all the skills and he just doesn't seem to put it together in the octagon. He's coming off a win over Christo Jocko, which is a knockout. And before that, he had three straight losses to Robert Whitaker, no shame in that, champion right now, Derek Brunson and Gegard Musazi. He beat Gegard. That was like a big upset over there. He he landed that crazy spinning back kick and, and finished Gegard Musazi. I think one of the, I think the only person that ever knocked Gegard out. I know Gegard's been choked out, but I think that was the first one to knock him out. So anyway, this is the biggest line of the night. Uriah Hall is a plus 325 underdog, and Costa is a minus 450 favorite. In MMA, when the line's this big, I always advise people to throw a couple bucks on Uriah Hall, which is what I'm going to do. When you're this big of a favorite and you're as talented as Uriah Hall is, you have to... And I don't think I think Costa, the Brazilian Superman, is, is is a talented guy. He looks like he has all the skills in the world, but I'm not sold on him yet. He's only fought a handful of times in UFC. I'm not uh, super prepared to say this guy is the next coming of anything. And I think Uriah Hall, if he can put it together, he can be pretty interesting. I just think so. Here's my pick. My pick is Costa. I think Costa's going to finish Uriah Hall. I think he's going to catch him. I think Uriah's going to fade. I think he's going to get overwhelmed. And I think it's more of the moment than a skill set. But 
I will be throwing a couple shekels on Uriah Hall because at plus 325, that turnaround is crazy. And Uriah Hall can get it done against a guy who really, as much as he looks great on paper and he has looked good in the cage so far, hasn't beaten anybody and it hasn't blown any, hasn't blown my tits off. So why would I, you know, not bet that? But my official pick is Costa because I think Uriah Hall kind of chokes in the moment and I think he kind of gets overwhelmed. And if you get overwhelmed by a guy like that, I mean, that's, that's going to be a rough night for you. Next up, we have, I believe this is kicking off the main card. Yep, that was this is the main card. So this is on pay-per-view here. Gohan Saki versus Khalil Roundtree Jr. This fight has been made, I think, twice, maybe once other time. They've been talking shit back and forth on Twitter. They're not the biggest fans of one another. Gohan Saki is one-on-one in MMA. He came off a knockout win in his UFC debut. Former world uh, kickboxing champion from Glory, K1. I mean, the guy's been all the world kickboxing. Tremendous kickboxing. Tremendous power. He's going against Khalil Roundtree, who is fighting out of Syndicate MMA in uh, Las Vegas. A lot of good wrestlers in that camp. You know, Tom Lawler, I believe, is one of the one of the head coaches, and, and he's a fantastic grappler himself. Uh, Gohan Saki is the favorite, and I can understand why guy has incredible power. We don't know what his ground game is. He, he hasn't been doing MMA long, but his striking is absolutely devastating. Khalil Roundtree hits really hard as well, and I think has a better overall game. Both guys don't have the biggest gas tank in the world. I've seen Gohan get tired in K1 and in MMA's debut fight in the UFC. He got tired until he landed a devastating knockout. Khalil Roundtree the same way. Khalil hasn't been as active, so I think he has done some interviews this week saying that he has cleaned that up and that's been a big focus on his camp. Like I said, this fight's been made two or three times. Neither of these guys have taken fights outside of this fight, so they've obviously been training for one another. I think Khalil Roundtree, who is the current underdog at plus 115, I think he gets it done. I think he can just, I think he's just a better overall MMA guy than Gohan Saki. I even think Khalil can probably knock Gohan Saki out. Gohan is your typical patient kickboxer. A lot of these kickboxers, you know, they, they keep a high guard and, you know, and some punches can get through because, you know, they're used to using boxing gloves and MMA gloves. Has Gohan trained enough with MMA, to, you know, to adjust to that because Khalil does have some crazy power. I think that Khalil's going to punch his way in and he's going to do a good enough job to be able to take um, Gohan down and just kind of ride out. I don't maybe – I think uh, – I'm going to go with a finish. I would I would bet a finish if that's one of your props because I can see Gohan just getting exhausted with all the grappling. I don't think his body's ready for that yet. And I think it could be a sloppy TKO stoppage or it can be a brutal knockout by Gohan. I really do think it's a pretty close fight, but I, I'm going to lean towards Roundtree because of just the fact that he's just overall MMA better. Next up, a fight that was supposed to happen – uh, but the do- dolly thrown by allegedly thrown by Conor McGregor uh, stopped this fight. Uh, Michael Chiesa versus Anthony Pettis. I'm glad that they booked this again because when it was booked a couple months ago, I remember thinking this is a hard fight to pick for me. You know, when I first hear a fight get announced, the first thing I think is who's going to win, right? And then the next thing I do is I start going through it, like you know, and then really analyzing it. My first gut instinct was like, wow, this is a really hard fight to pick. Anthony Pettis has all the skills in the world. He's a former champion. He's a former Wheaties athlete. 
Michael Chiesa is an awkward style for this division. He's a tall, lanky guy, but he also but he wrestles. Usually, wrestlers are kind of you know he's got the John Jones effect a little bit. I know that's a big comparison, but you know he's this big, long guy that that grapples, that wrestles. He has his he has the leverage advantage over anybody. Anthony Pettis has stated that he's kind of instead of traveling because he's went to Jackson's, he's went to California, he's went to you know he's went to Chicago where his wrestling coach is at. He's kind of left Duke and try to find his mojo uh, back before, and uh, he just hasn't been able to seem to find it. Um, Pettis is coming off a loss to Dustin Poirier. It's a TKO loss, which was a exciting fight, but it was a ugly loss. And then Michael Chiesa is coming off a loss to Kevin Lee. Uh, Michael Chiesa is just not active. You know what I mean? He's he's not the most active guy in the world. He this fight was supposed to happen a month ago, and he got cut up by the the glass from the bus driver or the bus. Uh, some someone threw a dollar through a bus apparently, and uh, he got cut up. So I, this is just so hard to pick. I've been thinking about it. this is the one that I didn't want to pick, right? Um, if, if if my friend was here and he was going to pick whoever you picked, I'd probably go the other way because I don't want to pick the same as him. Michael Chiesa is the negative uh, minus one sixty favorite, and uh, Pettis is plus one thirty. This is just this is just tough, man. I'm going to have to go with Chiesa. I do think Pettis could rip some kicks to that body. Pettis has done well against taller opponents in the past. Um, I think he could just rip Chiesa to the body and and really hurt him. I think Pettis' kicks are lethal. I just also see I see Pettis. Uh, and Chiesa's been hurt to the body before. I just see Chiesa kind of coming forward. And, and uh, oof, this is tough. Um, I'm going to go with Chiesa because my instincts say Chiesa. But I don't know if I like it. I kind of like the underdog play on Pettis. It's not a huge kickback in your money, but it's a little bit. And I just think Pettis, I mean, his if his striking's there and he's on point and he doesn't get tired, this could be a long night for Kiesa. This is going to be a really interesting fight with a, with a mix of styles or it's going to be really boring with Kiesa sticking to a game plan, clinching, taking him down, roughing him up, and, uh, and not really doing much else after that. So... I'm going Kiesa. I'll lock it in. It's locked in. Next up, we have the heavyweights. We got the big boys. We have Francis Ngannou versus Derek Lewis. This fight, a lot of people are talking about this fight. A lot of people are asking why hasn't this fight been talked about enough. Um, I think it has. I, I think on paper it looks tremendous, although styly, I don't know what to expect from Aganyu. He He's coming off a, a loss to Stipe, where Stipe kind of exposed him a little bit, exposes, exposes cardio, exposes grappling. Um, Derek Lewis is a big boy coming off a real nice win over Martin Tibera. Before that, he lost to Mark Hunt by KO, and then he had three wins before that. So his only little uh, setback was Mark Hunt. Um, Derek Lewis has got a great chin. He's got tremendous power. Francis Gagne, though, I just think it's just so athletic, and I think he's going to rebound well off this. I think he's going to make a statement here over Derek Lewis. Gagne is a minus 380 favorite with Lewis being at the plus 250. Anytime you get a fight that's that's on paper, at least in my mind, that's fairly close, um, I think Derek Lewis has every chance to win this fight. I really do. I just think Gagne is just that much better. He, I think he's more mobile, and I think he hits hard. I think Lewis... 
I think when he gets in there, he likes, you know, he's not like he doesn't engage the most. He's not going to go out there and brawl with just anybody, right? He's he's a lot more uh he's smarter of a fighter than people give him credit for. I think he's a he's a decent grappler. I think he's going to try to kind of do what Stipe did. I don't think he's going to be able to get a Ganyu down all that easy. However, I do think he'll be able to push a Ganyu against the cage and maybe tire his arms out and tire him out a little bit. I just think Ganyu that first round if, if it doesn't if it goes out of the first round, I'll lean more towards Derek Lewis. However, I just think Ganyu's going to come out and he's going to hit hard. I think one shot gets through. I think I think it could be night night. So I'm picking the heavy favorite at Ganyu, which I don't like doing. I don't know if it's really smart money to bet Derek Lewis. I think at plus two fifty you can get a nice kickback. I just think Ganyu. I think he's a little embarrassed by the Stipe fight. He said he had some things going on. He's got all the star power in the world. He's got all this potential. I also have a feeling this isn't going to be the last time these two fight. I know they've talked shit to one another. They're not crazy about one another. Um, I haven't gone you by knockout, though. And these final two fights, this next fight, though, for the featherweight championship, I am so excited about this fight. This is probably the fight I've been looking forward to all year. I love, I mean, you got two guys, two young guys in their prime. And I don't even say, they might not even be in their prime yet, but you got two guys who are so goddamn hot right now. Max Holloway's on a 12-fight winning streak. Brian Ortega hasn't lost in the UFC and has finished every single one of his opponents. And you got them fighting each other. Blows my mind. It's not like Ortega is finishing uh, chumps. He knocked out Eggers last fight. He's never been knocked out. He submitted Cum Swanson, which with a, Sick guillotine. It was like a standing jumping guillotine that was so tight that Cubs wants out of tap. He, Renato Meccano, who is a tough, tough guy in the division, he's a top 10 guy, trying to figure it out. It was a really close fight in the first round. Ortega, as the fight got longer, he got stronger. The Clay Guida fight, he was actually losing, landed a crazy knee and knocked him out. And then you have Diego Brandau where he submitted him, you know, and then Holloway, his resume is insane as well. I don't have to go over everything. I mean, I mean, what what do you say about either of these guys, right? I mean, I think these are the two best 145ers in the world, right? I think if Connor dropped down to 145, I think he could have a fight with any of these people and and sell a lot of pay-per-views. I, I love Max Holloway. Um, I wasn't a Max guy when he first joined um, the UFC. He lost to Dustin Poirier by submission. I was like, I don't know about this kid. He, You know, because I, I seem to always, you know, whenever a guy comes out of Hawaii, I think, it, you know, usually Hawaiian fight, they breed these tremendous fighters, and if, especially if they come over to the UFC, I'm always on that bandwagon because I know they they have this this warrior spirit, and I know they just, they're tough as shit, and Max fits that mold. He uh, small trains out of a small camp some, on one of the small islands, and uh I don't think he's ever really came over to the United States. I know he used to train at Alliance. He came over and helped uh, Jeremy Stevens with with the Pettis fight many, many years ago. Um, God, this fight's good. And then Ortega, kid kind of coming out of nowhere, uh, came into the UFC and set it on fire, doing things a little different, doesn't talk a ton of shit. He's kind of going the positive route after every uh, win. He goes up there and he promotes his foundation. He promotes, you know, you know, people being better to each other. Really, really hard to root for this guy coming from uh, the L.A. Um, hood, slums, whatever. They're kind of really playing that up, that he's coming from this, like, real hard times. Trains at Henry Gracie's, which I think Henry Gracie's might might be one of the best jiu-jitsu coaches in MMA. He teaches. I think his jiu-jitsu translates the best to MMA. I mean, he has some amazing students over there. 
Ortega is just a freak when it comes to submissions. If you look at all of Max Holloway's fights before this crazy win streak, he's had problems with submission guys. But he has fought wrestlers and he has really he has stopped their takedowns. I don't think Brian Ortega has the best takedowns in the division. I think Max Holloway is going to be more than ready for Ortega's takedowns. Both guys are good size 145ers. Both guys have tremendous skills. Ortega's boxing is getting leaps and bounds ahead of everybody, um, ahead of what I ever expected him to do from his first fight. He came in as a jiu-jitsu guy. Now his boxing's off the charts. He looked great against Frankie Edgar. Frankie Edgar is a very pressured fighter, and he um, puts his punches together really well and, and doesn't overwhelm with power, but he's, he's more speed and accuracy, and he puts it on you with combinations, jumps in and out, and moves really well. Ortega, when he fought Edgar, kept up with Edgar's footwork. He looked just as good on with his footwork than, um, maybe not then Frankie, but he kept up with him, which was amazing because Ortega's huge for the vision. So his footwork's quick. Max Holloway is another guy who has really good footwork. Max Holloway looks really good coming, going backwards. Um, I don't think he's great off his back foot. I don't think his counters are um, anything to really be scared of. I think Ortega has better counters. I think Max Holloway is better coming forward. Both guys have shown tremendous chins. This is a tough fight to pick. Max Holloway is a minus 150 favorite. Ortega is a plus 120. It's really hard to win 12 fights in a row in MMA. Max Holloway has got this era. He's got the blessed era. He's got this aura about him. He's very confident in himself. He doesn't think he's going to lose. He stepped on and and, and beat his back-to-back wins over Jose Aldo. Both finishes is absolutely insane. I mean, how do you not pick Max Holloway? I just think... There's something about Brian Ortega. There's I don't people are saying it might be too soon for him. He's a year older than Holloway. I know Holloway has more MMA experience, but there's just something about Ortega. I feel like if he catches Mac, I think the way I have this playing out in my head is Max is gonna win the first couple rounds. I think Ortega can catch Max late in the third round with a punch. Max goes down, Ortega jumps on something. I think the minute Max shows vulnerability, either getting hit or on the ground, Ortega can snatch a neck or snatch a fucking arm or triangle, and it's over. I'm picking Brian Ortega, finish over Max Holloway. I, I, last night, before I went to bed, I was thinking about this, and I said Max Holloway's going to win a decision. He has better, better striking, cleaner striking. He's, you know, all this stuff. And now I'm saying uh, Brian Ortega is going to win by submission. I'm, it's Wednesday. I'm recording this on Wednesday. I might change my mind by Saturday. But as of right now, I'm picking Brian Ortega as the underdog. W for Brian Ortega, baby. That's That was a tough fight to pick. Main event time. Heavyweight title. Stipe Miocic versus Daniel Cormier. You know both of them. I don't have to go over the resumes. They're both tremendous. Stipe Miocic is a minus 265 favorite. Uh, Daniel Cormier is a plus 205 underdog. Been going back and forth on this fight as well. It's not as hard to pick as the Edgar, uh, I'm sorry, as the Holloway Ortega. However, Stipe is a big, powerful heavyweight. Everyone is giving Stipe the benefit of the doubt because of his size, which is, is a good point. Stipe hits harder than DC. DC hasn't fought a heavyweight in a little bit. Everyone's giving DC credit for when he fought a heavyweight and he was 13 and 0 and he, and he, and he beat Josh Barnett and Bigfoot Silva. That was Daniel Cormier. Daniel Cormier has gotten leaps and bounds better than that. I think Daniel Cormier has the pressure. 
I think Stipe's never going to fight at a pace that Daniel Cormier is going to keep. Daniel Cormier uh, said on Embedded that he has he's the only difference between this training camp and instead of trying to cut weight and lose weight is that he's got to have to learn how to carry his weight for the workload that he's been doing. He's going to come in the octagon about 235, so about 30 pounds heavier than he normally does, or at least he weighs in at 205. I'm sure he rehydrates to 220 on fight night, 219, to, uh, maybe anywhere from 215 to 220. I think Cormier is going to push his pace so much. I think it's going to slow down Stipe. I think Stipe has good footwork, but I don't think it's the, the best. I think Stipe has good footwork, but I think he drops his hands a lot, does the back of the cage thing, and his footwork is good because of how good his counter strikes are. He's so powerful that um, people don't pressure him when they need to because of that striking. I think Daniel Cormier's head movement, quickness, and wrestling. I don't think Stipe has ever fought, and I know he hasn't, Never fought someone as good as Daniel Cormier wrestling. I did see Stipe bringing Mark Coleman and uh, Ryan Bader to train wrestling. That's a really smart move. Ryan Bader's kind of the same size as DC. He's quicker. Um, he's a quicker, good wrestler. Just what uh, Stipe needs to do. I just think that Daniel Cormier is an underdog. He's a plus 205 underdog. I just see him pressuring Stipe and eventually wearing down Stipe. Stipe, I don't think Stipe's going to be able to catch Cormier. I think he's going to get wore down, and I think Cormier can... Uh, I don't know if it, I don't think Stipe has quit in him, but I see Cormier winning the decision. I think the first two rounds are going to be close. It's going to be a little bit of a chess match. Stipe's going to be throwing heavy leather. DC's going to land some real quick shots. I don't necessarily know if DC can hurt uh, Stipe because Stipe's head is the size of this goddamn room I'm sitting in right now, and he took some shots from Ganyu and was still standing. I just think the pressure in the wrestling is really going to take over for Cormier. And I have two back-to-back underdog championships. I have two new champions and two new underdog champions. That's how I ended it. And I just... What, what else is more to say? I mean, the card is stacked top to bottom. I'm recording this on a Wednesday. By Saturday, I could, uh, I could think otherwise, but probably not. But uh, I'm happy with my picks. So let's end the show with a top five. It's going to be the top five heavyweight fights of all time. There's a heavyweight fight this weekend. I just talked about it. On paper, it looks to be tremendous. Um, We'll see if it lives up to the hype. These five, however, did live up to the hype. Number five, Randy Couture versus Tim Sylvia. Um, Randy Couture was coming back. This was his first fight, I believe. Maybe it wasn't his first fight, but he uh, was coming off his... Knockout losses to Chuck Liddell. I think he got knocked out by Chuck Liddell, came back, beat Mike Van Arsdale, and then got knocked out again. And then came back to fight a heavyweight in Tim Sylvia, who was this big, arrogant guy. Randy Couture was a huge underdog. In the first 10 seconds of the fight, Randy Couture drops Tim Sylvia and then just out-wrestles him the entire fight. This pay-per-view was in Columbus, Ohio. I remember it. I was not there. I did watch it on pay-per-view. Randy Couture, Captain America. I know he doesn't get talked about a lot now because of the whole problems with the UFC. That was a big win. That was an exciting win. Tim Sylvia, probably the most unlike champion there's ever been in the UFC. Randy Couture, maybe one of the most liked champions. So that was a big win um, for Randy Couture. And it was, and it was an incredibly exciting fight. Um, at least that first round was. But it was an exciting win because no one thought Randy could win. Number four, it's going to be a draw. I don't like doing two fights in one. Um, I like doing, uh, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna double them up if there's if there's the same person in them. So Fedor versus Fabrizio Verdum and Strikeforce, where uh, Verdum ended the streak of Fedor, and everyone saw that Fedor was human, and that kind of led to maybe not the demise of Fedor, but at least the mystique was gone because then Dan Henderson beat him, Matt Mitrione since beat him. You know, he he's had a few losses, um, and Verdum uh, 
tapped him out with a triangle. And then tied with that is going to be Ferdicio Doom versus Cain Velasquez because Cain Velasquez, no one saw weakness in Cain. Cardio Cain couldn't have been beat. They go to Mexico City. Cain decides not to go in early because he thinks the, uh, the uh, Evolution, wait, what? Elevation. There it is. The Elevation wouldn't be a problem for him. Gasses out by the end of the second round, gets choked out. Sick guillotine by Fabrizio Verdum. Those are tied for number four. Number three, got another tie here. Brock Lesnar versus Frank Mir won. Not the second one. The second one was exciting, but Brock Lesnar kind of took that over. Brock Lesnar versus Frank Mir won. No one knew what to expect with Brock. Um, you know, obviously we've seen how CM Punk did. So the expectations were a little higher on Brock because of the wrestling background, but no one really knew. He came in, he looked tremendous against Frank Mir, looked like the fucking shit brick house that he is, got caught with a knee bar. Frank Mir tapped him out, came back and won. One of the more iconic finishes in UFC heavyweight history. That's got to be number one. And then number two, um, that's tied with number three. Excuse me, I know I'm confusing here. It was going to be Brock Lesnar versus Shane Carwin. Lesnar was down and out in that fight. Shane Carwin has some of the heaviest hands UFC's ever seen. Lesnar somehow came back, won the fight. Tremendous victory by Brock Lesnar. Tremendous heart. Showed a lot in that fight. Showed that he was he wasn't a uh, wrestler anymore. Showed that he was a real deal MMA guy. Number two, Junior Dos Santos versus Kane. Uh, number two and three. The first one, Junior Dos Santos squashed Kane. Huge shock, huge surprise for me. I've been a Kane guy. I like Kane. I think he's a talent, uh, an incredibly talented heavyweight, definitely a Hall of Famer. But two and three, the heart that Kane has showed, um, powering through, getting knocked out by this guy in, in under a minute, the first time when it was the very first Fox show, coming back and beating him twice. And then uh, and both fights were just absolute bloody wars. Took a, took a few years off both those guys' uh, careers, I imagine. But they were very entertaining and uh, incredibly, incredibly grateful that those guys fought that. And sick fight. That was number two. Number one, I think everyone can guess it. It's going to be t- uh, uh, woof. Pat Barry versus – I almost said Todd Barry. Pat Barry versus Czech Congo. It was a one-round fight. But how do you argue that this is not number one? Czech Congo was every bit of knocked out as you can be. Pat Barry had, I mean, Herb Dean stepped in to stop it on twice, and Czech Congo just kept getting up and then caught Pat Barry. Pat Barry's very first knockout loss ever from his kickboxing to his MMA career. It was just a surprising knockout, and it was unbelievable. And uh, I remember that was on Versus when UFC was on Versus, and I. It was fairly late at night, and I remember screaming, howling about that finish because, I mean, I just had never seen anything like that, especially in the heavyweight division. So that's a list. That's the top five. I dare you to do better. Gave you the breakdown of VOC 226. All my picks are locked in. I'm not going to change anything. I will be tweeting out and maybe posting an article about my underdog picks, who I think my underdog picks will be, and who I think you should bet on. They might contradict with what I'm saying. There's a difference between my logical picks and who I think is going to win and then who I'm going to bet on. Um, it, you know, it's very complicated. It's nuanced. I'm not going to explain it to you. But that's it. Enjoy the fights this weekend. I will talk to you next week.